0: it's really important to have that foundational message for the market, right? You're not starting from scratch at every campaign. You've got a value proposition that's largely consistent across the market. But then when you're going after a specific segment or a specific audience or a specific deal, you can layer in really, really targeted specific messaging on top of that macro value prop to really position your company for success.
1: Welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. Marketing to the federal government is unique. Civilian and defense agencies are tackling some of the largest challenges in the world, and their scale of workforces and budgets rival some of the largest Fortune 500 companies out there. At the same time, as you know, these organizations are operating within a distinct regulatory environment designed to ensure the highest levels of security and open competition, all to maximize the value of taxpayer dollars. On top of that, you add the diversity of missions from tax revenues to space travel to protecting the homeland in all theaters, including cyber. The public sector market is really home to dramatically different organizations with radically different objectives. So as I'm telling you this, everyone out there listening is probably shaking their head saying, yes, we know this, but What you may not know is that the result of all these factors is why the contracting environment prioritizes these long-term engagements with proven partners at significant investment levels. The stakes are just too high to risk working with companies that don't understand the federal market dynamics and requirements, which is reflected in the way agencies procure products and services. And in this hyper-competitive environment, decision-makers are looking for partners that truly understand their unique challenges and are deeply committed to delivering the best solution. In other words, Winning requires a laser-focused, account-specific capture strategy, which provides both an opportunity and a challenge for marketers. Many of you listening may already be deploying an agency-based marketing strategy, but I can tell you some of the most common questions I get from people revolve around this very topic. And joining me today to discuss this topic is Matt Donovan, Senior Vice President of the Government Practice at The Merit Group. He's responsible for creating strategic content marketing and communications campaigns that influence enterprise technology decision makers in the public sector. Matt's clients range from public sector divisions of global technology companies to emerging health IT startups, including Microsoft, Deloitte, ServiceNow, and more. And one of the reasons I wanted to have Matt on is Merit Group just released a B2G marketing playbook discussing best practices for account-based marketing for the market. And we're going to walk through that a little bit on the show today as well. Matt, welcome to the show, bud. Thanks for
0: being here today. Thanks so much, Brian. Happy to be here.
1: So why don't you give some of the folks that are listening an intro into kind of what Merit Group does and how do you guys help organizations be successful in marketing to the government?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Merit Group has been around for about 20 years now. Um, we're located in Northern Virginia, Tyson's Corner, and we're 100% focused on, you know, B2B technology marketing and communications. So we work with a lot of global technology companies that are selling into the B2B space. But in particular, we've got a government practice that I lead. So we work with technology brands, systems integrators, consulting firms to help drive awareness, build the right messaging, you know, position them for procurement success and that's as they're selling into federal civilian agencies, the Department of Defense, state and local pretty much across the board. So we're there to help them position their company for success with the right messages in front of the right audiences to drive business business goals.
1: And I think that kind of segues right into what we're going to talk about today is account-based marketing. You guys just released an ebook around how to's for account-based marketing to the government. But let me start with this. Why is ABM so important right now?
0: It's critical. And it's honestly, it's probably the area that we're having the most conversations with clients about. And I think it comes down to one, it's an effective technique across marketing and that's across B2B, right? It's, Personalized, it means you are building a campaign for the unique needs of a specific prospect or a specific segment of the market. And we really feel like that's what it takes to be successful in today's competitive marketing world, where you really need a customized message across the right platforms, reaching the right audience. And I think that's even more important in federal for a couple of reasons. And I would broaden that even to government. One, you're selling into extremely unique organizations. You know, even on the B2B side, you can say, yeah, we sell into banks or we sell into airlines. You know, in, in the government, you're selling into NASA. You're selling into the IRS. These are huge organizations that have very, very unique mission. They're trying to accomplish very specific things. And they're using taxpayer money to do so. And they need to know that they're working with a partner that understands their unique challenge, the unique regulatory environment of government, the unique pain points that they're dealing with, and that, you know, they're, they've got a partner that's going to be able to, to deliver on these massive, massive, you know, society level projects.
1: So you're absolutely right. There are so many unique differentiators from agency to agency. But I will say one of the things that I found in working across government all over the world is there's a lot of commonality too when you look at some of the core competencies. So you can speak to NASA and IRS, but at the end of the day, they all have commonalities in the form of human capital management or financial systems and things like that. Have you found as you build out ABM campaigns for your customers, you're able to leverage those type of commonalities across because one of the, one of the common challenges that I see around ABM is how do you scale it out when you're going account by account by account, you kind of have to have those commonalities. So are you able to do that for your customers as well?
0: Absolutely. I think I think you're exactly right. There's sort of those foundational challenges honestly that, you know, just large organizations face whether it's enterprise IT yeah. or finance or human capital. So I think it's really important to have that foundational message for the market, right? You're not starting from scratch at every campaign. You've got a value proposition that's largely consistent across the market. But then when you're going after you know, a specific segment or a specific audience or a specific deal, you can layer in really, really targeted specific messaging on top of that macro value prop to really position your company for success.
1: So one of the things that I I liked about you, Matt, and full disclosure, Matt and I worked together um, when I was at Monster doing uh, marketing to the public sector. And um, again, Matt was in his, his, it feels (laughs) like a long time ago. And and Matt was at his uh his capacity as senior vice president of Merit Group. And every meeting we were in, Matt rolls up his sleeves. He's not your typical senior vice president. He he digs in and really jumps, in, as I like to say, he jumps into the foxhole with you. So I think we're gonna do a little bit of that today and kind of help the the listeners maybe understand how they can start to architect a an, an ABM program. So let's start with messaging. You just talked about how crucial it is to be able to to be able to build that right message to the right people. How do you start with that?
0: Yeah, it's critical. I mean, without the messaging foundation, the campaign isn't going to work, right? And I think one of the things we do have to counsel our clients on is they want to immediately tell the world how great they are. They want to immediately tell that prospect everything that's amazing about their company and their solution. And I think what we counsel is, you know, start by taking a step back and thinking about what is that agency's challenge and what are they trying to solve? Everything starts there. And I think it starts there tactically with a deep integration across business development and marketing. So I think as early as you can bring the capture team and the business development teams together with marketing to strategize messaging and be aligned on win themes, you know, what is the challenge? Who's facing that challenge? Who do we need to reach? That's where the messaging, that's the core of the messaging, right? And if you're building everything from that challenge and then expressing it across what you're putting out on the web, what are the key components of your advertising campaign? You know, what are you saying in direct customer communications? And what are you putting in the RFP? All of that with slight, slight tweaks by channel, that should all be aligned and consistent because it's part of that foundational strategy. And it starts with that, hey, what is this agency trying to solve?
1: So you mentioned a couple key stakeholders in what you just said, and they're they're key to the process, but they're not always part of the marketing process. And I've never understood why. I love working with some of the folks within contracting and try to dissect some of these RFPs because the organizations are on paper telling you exactly what they need so you know what the value proposition is already. Yes. I think I think it's it, that's a great place to start to reverse engineer some of these things and marketers just don't think to go there all the time.
0: It's it's a little bit crazy and you know there's historically been tension where we've heard the capture teams and bd teams say you know marketing marketing doesn't help me and you know, i get no i know i get no value from marketing and then we hear from marketing you know i'm not i'm not being given the information and the context i need to be effective and i think that integration and bringing that team together as early as possible is so critical because the the capture teams know the situation on the ground they know who the players are what they're struggling with what they you know what they read how they how they consume information and then also what the differentiation is what makes us different than the other competitors that are going after this deal and marketers need that so like we've had great especially with some of our systems integrator clients recently we've had amazing early integrated strategy sessions to set that foundation and build that message and honestly it makes everything that comes after that seamless and strategic. It's just been fantastic when you can get that alignment.
1: I want to expound on something you just said around differentiation, because I think there's there's differentiation and then there's true, why me? And an organization oftentimes, I mean, I, let's just use some somebody in a human capital management space, right? I think as marketers, we look at it and say, okay, well, we have this hiring system or we have this onboarding system. Yes, but so does the next 17 companies that you're competing against. So really dig deep and find out where the true differentiators are. How do you look at your key competitors and put your finger on that one thing that they cannot do, that you can do? And that's the key differentiator. And that's what's going to help you win your business. And I think we as marketers, we sit back and we look at some of the core functionality of something or where we fit into the market for our messaging. And it's rinse and repeat. You could throw any logo on top of that message and it plays. But how do I find that true message that that only my logo sits on top of? I think that's really the biggest challenge when you're developing that messaging. How are you helping companies do that?
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great point, Brian. And it, it might not even be In the solution itself, right? Like it it might be that a lot of these solutions have the same functionality and the differences are in the gray area. A lot of it is showcasing how you think about the challenge differently, how your strategy is different, how your approach is different, how your methodology is different, how your people and the talent you're bringing to the problem is different. So I think Sometimes we get so caught up in the actual product and solution that's going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting that we forget about the bigger picture, you know, aspects that are going to be brought to bear, you know, when and if a company has chosen to do the work.
1: Well, and the CIOs especially when you're going for that top-down messaging, that's all they're thinking about is that's the big picture. They're looking at they're looking at the technologies, they're looking at the change management, they're looking at how it fits in culturally. Do we have to realign processes? They want a true partner that's, again, going to be there from A to Z. Yes. And I think that's all part of it. I, I like how you put that. It's It's completely holistic, including methodologies. Maybe my methodology is different. Maybe our professional services takes a different approach to things. And we as marketers don't completely look at that sometimes. And I think that's an area that that maybe we can start to strengthen uh, some of those muscles. Absolutely. So let's take it into another step. So we talk about targeting key decision makers. I just talked about a top-down approach, but in my opinion, especially when you're targeting the the public sector, you need that top-down, bottom-up approach because there's so many different stakeholders. And frankly, there should be. When they're spending millions and millions of dollars and they're investing in a company, um, we've talked about the long, the long cycles, the the long engagements. Um, if they're going to make that level of investment, there's going to be multiple stakeholders involved, and you need to have the key messaging for each of those. So, how do you go about not only figuring out who those key personas are, but building out messaging for each and every one of them?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, and it's a critical part of the process. And I think it goes back to, you know that foundational, capture strategy, where these are the key players, these are the roles, this is where they are within the organization, this is their goal within the macro procurement. I'll give you an example. We, we're we're working on a capture campaign for one of my clients right now. And agency leadership sits in DC and has some very lofty, big-picture goals around IT consolidation and cost savings and streamlining. And then there are a number of very, very strategic, important folks down in Huntsville that are going to be executing and being very hands-on in terms of using the technology. And they're very different messages. They are struggling with a different challenge as this contract unfolds. The ways we're going to reach those folks are going to be completely different based on their geographies and what they're consuming. But you really need to tie that message back to where they fit in the organization, where they fit in the procurement process and what they're trying to achieve as part of this. So, it really goes back to who they are, what they need to hear and kind of proving that you understand, you know, their needs and are, you know, putting together a solution that's going to help them specifically.
1: And we talked about the RFP before. I think that's a, that's a key document that can actually provide some of that. Yes. Even I mean, as you're as you're getting messaging and value proposition even at the RFI stage, I think they start to build into that. If if you can kind of be strategic and reverse engineer some of the questions that they ask, you can really understand what they're what they're trying to get to. But when it gets to RFP stage too, I think you you're able to figure out who these key personas are. And I know some of the people listening are are going to say, okay, well, if it's at RFP stage, how can I truly affect it then? And maybe, maybe you're at a point on that contract where where you can maybe it's passed, but as we talked about it, there are some, some core commonalities. And as you're building out messaging for some of those, um, programs that are, are repeatable within government, it's a key document to understand who's, who's in the decision-making process within each and every agency at each, each and every sub agency, et cetera. So I would definitely, again, target that type of document and, and really dig into it.
0: It's a great point. We, we say, you know, use the language that the agency uses, right? How are, how are they talking about the problem? How are they talking about what they need? Speak, speak to them, you know, the way they've laid out the problem. And you made an interesting point, Brian. Sometimes it is too late by the time the RFP comes out, right? Where, you know, we have a lot of research, you know, we pay a lot of attention to, you know, Market Connections and the Professional Services Council, and they do great research on... A lot of these procurement dynamics and you know time and time again it comes back that these agencies want to work for brands that they know that they trust that they've seen talk about their challenges externally whether it's at an event or in the media so i think the heavy lifting pre-rfp kind of puts you in position to be included and then to your point As you receive information and context from the prospect, whether it's in an RFI or pre-solicitation materials, start to incorporate the way they speak into your messaging, and that's a good foundation for success.
1: And don't forget the sales team, too. I mean, they're going to be tip of the spear throughout this process, and they're going to be engaging with the customer. They're going to know why you won the contract. They're going to know why you lost the contract. So lean on them and and pull those tidbits out, do kind of a, a an after action report on these, especially these larger procurements. You can't boil the ocean and do one for every single one, but for the ones that are really core to your business, I think sit down with the sales leader or the AE and ask those questions because if you won for a specific reason, it might be something that you're missing, let's say on your website or on some of your, your base message and just say, you know what, we need to highlight this because this is something that agencies are looking for. And in the reverse, if you lost, what if you lost for a reason that you had core capabilities on and it's sitting there as the fifth or sixth bullet on some of the messaging or even within the RFP that's being responded to. So I think all of that type of information is going to be really pivotal as you move on to your next program and your next campaign.
0: Absolutely. It's always, you know, evolving and continuously improving and taking that insight and factoring it into, you know, what you're doing next.
1: So something I really want to ask you is because you, in your role, work with a number of different vendors. And I think, again, all the marketers listening are probably very familiar with some of the vendors out there in the market. And you talked about somebody in DC may be engaging with messaging differently than somebody in Huntsville, or if you're doing cybersecurity, they might be out in San Antonio, Texas, and sure. obviously uh, on the West coast. But how do you go about choosing the right platform for your messaging? Cause you, your messaging can, can be as good as it is, but if it doesn't have the right vehicle behind it, it can fall flat. So how do you go about choosing some of those vendors or engaging those vendors on behalf of your customers?
0: yeah, it's a great question. And I think it, you know, it all comes down to you know that that target audience and who you're trying to reach. And you're right. We, I think you know a lot of the content in the playbook, you know, a lot of our systems integrators and and you know um, clients around the beltway, they're probably doing some of this, right? And I think you know our goal with them was to give maybe a view into, you know, more comprehensive, Um, approach that also incorporates some of these new, you know, digital tactics that we're seeing out there. I think we also work with a different type of organization, which is maybe it's a Silicon Valley company that's coming into federal for the first time. And they're really looking for us to help them navigate the space, right? So I think in terms of engaging the right decision makers with the right message, the right messages, you know, you want to think about who they are and then where they are and where they're spending their time. And, you know, one thing that we chat with our clients about at the outset is I think there's this impetus to build something on their own. Right. Like we need a public sector event. We need a public sector blog. And, me, and those aren't necessarily bad ideas. But I think one thing we counsel is there are all of these influencer organizations that already exist that have built in audiences and built in membership that you can leverage. I'm talking about AFSIA, Northern Virginia Technology Council, and even some of the local, you know, the chambers of commerce and some of those key hubs, like you talked about, San Antonio, Huntsville. These decision makers are already active and consuming content. In some of these channels, whether it's an event, whether it's a publication, whether it's like, you know, their digital platforms. So, a great place to start is engaging with some of those organizations because you know they already have the built in audience, they already reach your target audience. And how can you come up with creative ways to land educational, useful, informational content across those existing channels? And then maybe, you know, in the future, it's time to build your own public sector summit. But but it's almost like a crawl before you walk thing.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned NVTC, ASEA, obviously there's ACT-IAC. Yep. But these programs, a, another reason why I'll say they add a lot of value is I think anybody that does business in the government space knows that word of mouth testimonials and and use cases are one of the key ways that government will confirm if they want to purchase or not. And these are the types of organizations where these executives are coming and having direct conversations with people that they trust and that's invaluable. So if you're part of that ecosystem and you're a trusted partner within those groups, you really can't get much better than that. And I'm glad you brought that up because while while we as marketers, we might look at it and say, yes, we need to, be a member of that association. It's it's beyond that. You need to be hyper involved within the organization. Uh, we have, I mean, at OpenText, we have a, our president of U.S. public sector and our vice president of federal sales have both done terms on the FCA board. Right. So so those types of things. Our our VP of federal just ran the Toys for Tots program over over the Christmas holiday. So. Really getting involved and being part of the ecosystem, not just a spectator, I think is something that I would also double down on there.
0: It's exactly right. We say it's like a gym membership, right? Like anybody can get a gym membership, but the result is going to come from, you know, being active, putting in the work, right? And, you know, you're exactly right. I think the trust component is so huge. It's not just that they have the audience. It's not just that they have the platforms it's that these are respected organizations that have decades of you know experience and credibility delivering this content to these key influencers and you know especially for some of our global tech companies that maybe are coming to government for the first time they don't have that brand recognition they have to establish that trust and credibility and a great way to do that is through some of these established partners
1: you mentioned digital tactics and obviously we're we're in this in this new normal where I think there's more acceptance around digital in place of kind of IRL events and, and that type of thing. Are there any, I guess, more cutting edge digital tactics that you've seen? I know even before the pandemic, we were using, uh, geofencing tactics to be able to hyper-target certain agencies in an, in an ABM strategy, but are, are there things like that, that you've seen that are valuable even before the pandemic, but especially now?
0: absolutely i mean at the macro level it's funny because i think a lot of people are talking about zoom fatigue and all that stuff but all the hard data out there says you know government buyers are consuming more content digitally they're attending more virtual events they're using their personal mobile devices to consume information so you know we're just seeing an explosion of that i would say in the innovative areas Absolutely. Pre-pandemic, we were having a lot of luck with geofencing. I think, you know, the willingness of government personnel and decision makers to consume content across social channels is increasing, and I would call out LinkedIn specifically in terms of, you know, serving up content across a channel like that targeting specific agencies, specific roles, you know, potentially driving them back to a place on your website where they can really learn something, really learn something valuable about something that they're being challenged by. I think that's been really really impactful. And I would take it a step further. We're seeing programmatic advertising and automation deliver real ROI because you sort of, you know, take that great targeting and add in intent where now I've got the right person and I kind of know what they're seeking out, what they're looking for online and what channels they're consuming it across and getting a message or your brand visible in that way, you know, it really takes that digital advertising to the next level. We've seen, we've seen fantastic ROI in terms of, you know, driving traffic back to to key assets for folks to learn more.
1: Why don't you help our listeners understand what, what you mean by programmatic advertising? Cause I agree. I think it's incredibly valuable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so programmatic essentially uses uses automation to position advertising across platforms in a way that takes into account the way that user consumes information, what they've searched for in the past, what websites they go to. So, you know, you might be able to find, you know, an opportunity with a certain you know member of your target audience that you know is listening to something on Spotify or consuming something in a certain publication like Wired where based on their past behavior your brand and your message is appearing in in some of this advertising space that you probably wouldn't necessarily seek out if you were kind of buying ads in the uh, traditional way
1: it's one of the reasons why I think the the barstool golf shop follows me around from website <laughs> to website. I would imagine.
0: <laughs> I <think> that's accurate.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My I, my wife's probably not a huge fan of programmatic advertising, but it it does work. I can I can tell you that from a consumer, it does work.
0: And a lot of people find it annoying. I actually don't find it annoying because it's custom. it's a,
1: it reminds me sometimes.
0: It's custom to me. I'll say- Right. It's yeah, like,
1: it was custom right to here. me. And every every once in a while it pops up and said, That's right. I did want to get that. <laughs> so it it definitely works. Um so a, another thing I do wanna I do want to touch on because we talked about the different disparate messages, different disparate platforms. And I'm a big believer in the diversification of all of them. Um when you're you, you don't want to standardize on a single single vendor because then you're relying on just that singular audience, and I think we found that the government buyer likes to go out in and in consume information on on multiple mediums. So I think diversification is key, but only if properly integrated. And I think one of the things you touched on in the uh, the ABM playbook is how do you map that content to a capture journey? And to me, that really speaks to making sure that it's programmatic it's integrated, and it's all hitting the right people. So why don't you speak to how you're helping customers do that for for their business?
0: Yeah, and this actually dovetails on, you know, something we were chatting about before in terms of, you know, when the RFP is released and and maybe it's too late at that point, right? So I think we definitely see it in three phases where there's a lot of work to be be done pre-RFP. And that's really about letting the market know that you're there, you're focused on that challenge you have smart people thinking about that challenge you have a vision for that challenge that's very much we're here and we also have thoughts on the art of the possible right it's like we're working on this we're thinking about this we have smart people about this whether it's you know a cloud implementation or how are you effectively bringing artificial intelligence to a certain use case or you know whatever it is they have to know that you're out there and you're sort of in the game right? And then I think as you move further down the procurement journey, then you get a little bit more detailed. Then you get a little bit more into, hey, and you know what, we've done this before. And here's a little bit more information on what our solution can actually deliver. And maybe here's a video or a demo that helps you see it in action or let you touch and feel it. And your message goes from maybe that bigger picture educational thought leadership at the pre RFP stage, and maybe, you know, during the RFP, and then it starts to get into tactically how you can help and what the ROI will be and how it's going to actually work. So I think you go from that 30,000 foot view down to like the day to day. But it is if you start by hammering them over the head with your product, and they don't even know who you are, and why, why they should be listening to you. It, that's that's not terribly effective.
1: I'm glad you use the, the the phrase art of the possible, even though it's it's certainly overused. Yes. But I think as marketers, sometimes, especially field marketing, you get very tactical. Yeah. So you start to take a look at some of the things, but a lot of it is resource because I mean, there's going to be people listening where they're they're an individual contributor. Um, and, and there's gonna be somebody who's a CMO who might not have the size team that they want. So you you oftentimes get hung up on on more tactical initiatives. Yes. But the art of the possible is important. And the reason why is governments don't always procure for the now. I'm working and my role is global. There's a number of nations out there that are aligning to a 2030 vision that they're doing research on now. They want to know that their vision for where they want their government to be in 9 years is is possible with the company that they're going to start with because they're going to go through a crawl walk run stage. Yes. So they want to know if they start to if they start to crawl with you and they start to roll these technologies out that when they get to that next horizon they can start to deploy um, other variations around their strategy and then continue to evolve that. And if they look at you and say, okay, you're good for the now, but you haven't shown me that you can get me to really where I want to be in the next five, seven, 10 years, then they're going to go with somebody else who's showing them that, even even if you are better in the now. So I think being able to be in the moment, but also show horizon growth for that organization is really really key, and the only way you can do that, going back to what we we're talking about, is is understanding those pain points, understanding what their vision is, where they where they want to be, uh, and and that all comes with building relationships and and having those conversations with key stakeholders. In my opinion,
0: it's a hundred percent right. And the other thing I'll add is we've done a lot of research in the market around content and content consumption and what government leaders and buyers want at each stage the thing that they want the most is education they want to know what's out there what's possible industry you know industry has some really really sharp people and part of their role is helping government understand the latest and greatest and how it can be applied to their missions and use cases so starting there is absolutely critical and and essential to your point where a lot of these procurements are for 5 to 10 years and they have to set the agency up for success in the future and without that vision and without that knowledge of where they want to go it's kind of not hitting the right notes
1: so so we've talked a lot about how to build up this strategy how to potentially deploy it on a number of different mediums now as you've aligned that content and it's out there how do you go about measuring success? And I think this is one of the challenges that marketing uh, organizations face sometimes is, how do I know if that was truly successful or how often should I be gauging success? How can I change things when they're mid-flight? All of that is part of the conversation around what a successful campaign looks like. So when you're working with your customers, how do you help them measure that success and maybe not only just measure it, but how do you ensure success?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And I think it's really that measurement and then evolving, right? Because the beauty of the digital world that we're living in is you're getting this sort of real time data and feedback based on what you're putting out there. So, you know, obviously, the macro, you know, metric that we're being measured against is contract wins, right? But if you back it out, you can see what's resonating and what people are engaging with as you implement the campaign. So, you know, once you figure out what the virtual event is going to be on, how many attendees did you get? How long did they stay? Did they download the ebook afterwards? Did they open the email? Did they click on the ad? So you're getting all of this real time data. And what we counsel is, you know, don't overreact to everything. Let let the campaign sit for a little while. But once you're clearly kind, kind of like the stock market, right? Exactly, exactly. Don't don't necessarily be a day trader. Um, you know, let it sit for a couple of weeks. But those themes will start to emerge. We're big believers in A/B testing, and for the non-marketers that are listening, that's essentially putting two different versions of an ad or an email into market and seeing how it's performing and then once you're getting that data back you can double down on what is resonating at a higher level i think it comes down to your messaging and content too what are the blog posts the white papers the virtual events what themes what content are people engaging with most and then you you realize you're you're hitting you know you're hitting a pain point you're hitting something that people are interested in consuming and you can double down even more on that And I would say to your point about consistency, Brian, it's like, you know, it's not just one tactic for one message. It's how are you living it on the website? How are you living it in paid? How are you living it in bylined articles and op-eds and media interviews that your spokespeople are doing out in the market? All of that has to map back to that foundational message. And then you're measuring it in real time and sort of continuously improving.
1: And I think one of the ways you can really be a true partner to your sales organization is through the measurement of success. I mean, we've talked about traditional marketing measurement goals, right, around impressions and opens and clicks and all that type of stuff. But if you can look at what was the total revenue around a campaign? What was my average sale price? Am I spending my time in the right area? Or could I actually be amplifying another campaign that has a larger ASP? Yes. To support those AEs. There's more of a pipeline here or take a look at some of the, some of the um, the life cycles that you have around pipeline and say, you know what, it's it really gets stagnated at this point. So how can I come up with content to help move that forward? Those are the type of strategic conversations you can be having with sales leaders and they will love you for that.
0: Absolutely. That's where, you know, the the complaining about marketing stops and you're starting to get, you know, you're starting to get some props where, you know, in the micro, it could be a message that's resonating that you filter back to them and they start to incorporate in their sales decks or their, you know, their conversations with prospects. But you're right, at the macro, you might stumble upon a challenge or a use case that might be relevant to a tangential part of the market, a different part of the federal market that might have a higher ROI. So I think that's, that's Intel and data. That's super, super helpful.
1: Hey, Matt, this has been a really good conversation. I think the listeners probably pulled a lot out of this from anything from high level strategy to tactically deploying uh, an account based marketing campaign. Any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with?
0: No, this has been great, Brian. I would just say, you know, there are there's a path regardless of where your organization is in terms of you know awareness in the government market sort of what you're doing today and there's a lot of really interesting innovation around data and automation that we can bring to some of these campaigns that kind of can help us all do our jobs better so it's an exciting time to be in the market
1: for everybody listening if you want to download a copy of the account-based marketing playbook, head over to Merit Group's website, MeritGroup.com, and and you can download one. I think it's available now, right, Matt? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Hey, thanks again for your time, buddy. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much, Brian. Glad to be with you.
1: This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to gmarku.com or on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or on Twitter at A B. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye for now.